0: Hello and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host David Dylan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the optimism bias. So this is the bias uh, where you feel like you have uh, really good odds at winning the lottery, or that you're going to live a really long life, have a really good career. You just kind of overestimate your odds around like really good things happening to you, but at the same time, you underestimate the odds of bad stuff happening to you, even if that bad stuff is actually pretty common. So like your odds of getting a divorce, your odds of getting cancer. Um, And apparently even divorce lawyers are bad at estimating their odds of getting a divorce. Um, And it's very personal, right? Like if the odds of getting cancer are 30%, you may think your odds are actually 10%, and you'll still believe that the overall odds for anybody getting cancer are 30%, but you, you're special, you'll be fine. Um, It's something that applies to you, but not anybody else. And so when you see um, kind of like surveys about the future of this country? Is this country going in the right direction? And lots of people are like, no, it's not. But if you ask those same people, like, do they think they are like, you know, going to be okay? A lot of them will be like, yeah, I'll be fine. But this country, oh, this country is going down the tubes. Um, But, uh, you see it also in like smokers who sort of understand the odds around like smoking that, you know, it's bad and, you know, there's warning labels, but they don't think it applies to them. They think they're taking better precautions than all the other smokers, even though all of the other smokers are probably taking the exact same precautions and are exact same risk. Um, so, uh, so that's the, the bias kind of skews towards self, not others. Um, and uh, being aware of the risk, right, doesn't really stop you from engaging in, like, risky behavior, right? So you'll smoke just as much, or you'll be like, well, I'm not really an alcoholic. All those other people are alcoholics. I'm just going to keep drinking. Like, the, the, the odds never apply to you, even once you know the odds. You'll still kind of dismiss them. In fact, a lot of different attempts to diffuse this particular bias actually increase the bias. So it's like, after you tell someone what they're doing is risky, they'll may they engage in that behavior even more and be even more optimistic about their odds. Um, and this also has to do with how much control you think you have. So if it might be around, like, I think I'm a super safe driver, so I think my odds are better than other drivers. Um, or I, um, I practice, you know, safer sex than everybody else, so my odds of getting HIV are lower. Um, uh, the more perceived control you have, the greater uh, your optimism bias tends to be. Um, The problem is, if you're too optimistic, you just don't take care of yourself, right? This is why health outcomes get tricky, right? Because you think, oh, I'm not at any greater risk for heart disease than anyone else. I'm already taking all the precautions I need to. Um, And this also results in a fallacy we talked about before, uh, I think last season, called the planning fallacy, where things just take way longer than you think they will. The optimism bias kind of feeds into that. Um, And before I completely uh, dismiss the bias, um, it actually has value, a little bit of the optimism bias is actually healthy. Um, it does make you engage in risky behavior, but also can make you take risks that are positive, like starting a new business, which if you actually look at the odds, like there's never favorable odds for that, right? Um, but if no one ever like started a business, there wouldn't be any. Um, and it makes you try harder, right? If you think you're going to succeed, um, and high expectations can actually be good for you. Um, even if you fail, you'll come out of that happier and healthier than if you, um, come out of it otherwise. So basically if you sort of are optimistic about your chances for like passing a test and you pass the test, great. You'll say like, yeah, I knew I was going to pass that. Or if you don't, you will actually attribute your failure, not to you yourself personally, but to something about the test. And then on the flip side, if you're pessimistic about your odds of passing the test, and you don't pass the test, you'll be like, "See, I knew it." But if you do pass the test, you'll be like, "Oh, it must have been an easy test, right?" So, you won't be any happier if you're pessimistic in that situation. Um, and people who suffer from mild depression actually have no bias, right? They they actually have more realistic, you know, notions of the odds. But they are in fact being di- or they are in fact diagnosing as mildly depressed. So a healthy like mentally healthy, like everything's a-okay, you are actually, you should be suffering from a little bit of this bias. Um, and it is a very difficult bias to overcome. Uh, like, like I said, if you just tell someone about the odds, that doesn't change anything. If you tell them someone they have the bias, they might get more optimistic. Life experience tends to lessen this bias, but more like specifically around the thing you have life experience around. Um, so if you do get, you know, (laughs) cancer from smoking cigarettes, you might be a little less optimistic, but, um, even, even in less severe things, like things that you've actually experienced, you tend to have more real world experience on, you tend to be less unrealistically optimistic about. Um, but, uh, there is in fact another intervention. This is where, this is like the most unique bias I have ever encountered because there's a mechanical technological fix for it like scientists have actually reversed this bias. So I'm gonna give you a little background here. The, um, when scientists have studied this bias and sort of had people go through exercises where they're forced to kind of use the bias, um, they put them in an, in, they put them in an fMRI machine. They can see that there's activity in the left interior frontal gyrus. Um, and, uh, I will highly recommend here, and I will link to this in the uh, Facebook uh, post. Um, that there is a TED Talk by Tali Shero, who studied this for the University College London, um, that really just explains this in more detail, but I'll give you kind of the overview. So the left anterior uh, frontal gyrus right tracks information that's better than expected. Like It's like, here's some good news. Okay, um, <clears throat> the, the right anterior frontal gyrus does the opposite, right? It tracks information that's bad news, like unexpected. It's like, oh, I didn't realize it was supposed to be that bad. <laughs> what they found and when they put people in fMRI machines is that the left inferior frontal gyrus is doing a way better job than the right one, um, which means that they were kind of reacting accordingly to positive news, but they were kind of dismissing negative news. It turns out you can disrupt this with magnets. So if you pass basically a magnetic field over um, the correct part of the brain, where either the left Um, Interior frontal gyrus, um, which I'm just going to call IFG for short now, over the left IFG or the right IFG, you'll see certain things happen, right? Because basically passing the electromagnetic electromagnetic wave through kind of disrupts the brain activity there. It's called transcranial magnetic stimulation. So the experiment is you think about some terrible thing that might happen to you, right? Getting Alzheimer's, getting robbed. And... um, and you try to calculate the odds, how will this go for me, right? And you think about that. And then they tell you what the actual odds are, and then they ask you to recalculate, like, what do you think your odds are. And like I said, in those situations, even after people are told the odds, they still think, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Um, Now, if you do the transcranial magnetic stimulation, right, past the magnet, the electromagnetic field over the right IFG, what will? and that's the part that's supposed to be... um, uh, about like, like taking in bad news. If you disrupt that function, you actually increase the bias, the optimism bias, right? Cause now the one part of you that's supposed to be paying attention to bad news is being disruptive. So all of a sudden you're even more optimistic than normal. If however, you disrupt the left anterior frontal gyrus, it eliminates the bias. And you know me, you know, this podcast, I never say anything eliminates the bias, but this does. And it's a temporary effect, right? About after about a half hour, your brain goes back to normal. But for that period of time, like, you're actually rating your odds for things pretty accurately, right? You're given the new information. You're like, oh, if you say cancer is 30%, um, I guess my odds are 30%. Uh, okay, I'll buy that. Um, so it's... Kind of a powerful thing. Um, and get like I said, this is unprecedented. I've never seen any other bias where you can actually do some kind of technological fix, right, and change the bias or eliminate the bias. Um, so we'll see where this goes, right? Um, this research came out, I know a book about it came out in, in 2011 by Talishiro. Um Again, you can look that up. But um, so I don't know what they've done since then. Uh, one of the things I know they were thinking about is okay, if this is taking someone with an optimism bias, and reversing that and i know that i can actually increase the optimism bias by waving it over the right ifg does that mean there's some kind of intervention here for people who are suffering from depression right is that on the table now too so um so lots more uh, to discuss but like i said i've never seen that before and i'm really curious to see where the science goes from here uh so on that optimistic note um this is david dylan thomas for the cognitive bias podcast and we will see you next time